Very good. So welcome to our three session class on renunciation. And we're going to be exploring this interesting and I think quite deep topic um, in whatever way we can. Um, did you all get the study guide that was sent? I know some of you registered yeah, fairly recently. If you didn't get it, um, just send me a note in the chat or something. I sent a PDF file that looks like this renunciation in lay life. It's just a, a text document. So we'll be working from that uh, a little bit, but also um, uh, among our discussions in class. So I hope you had a chance to read the introduction in section one, but if you didn't, don't worry about it. It's not, um, we'll be able to catch up this week. Um, the format is that we'll be covering the three main areas that are in the study guide in these three sessions. So simplicity and then um, working with habits of mind and then uh, working on releasing the identity. Um, so you'll probably get the most out of this class since it's a fairly kind of quick um, look and we only get an hour each time. Uh, if you try some of the exercises that are suggested in the study guide during the week, because there'll be a chance um, for each of the next two classes to uh, comment on your experience of how it was to practice renunciation. There are a lot of things suggested kind of um, little ideas put in here and there, bullet points of things you might try. I'm not expecting that you would do all of them in detail, but maybe just see what you're drawn to and try what you can during the week um, as a, a way of touching in. Um, this is a topic that I like to teach and I've done it a number of times. In fact, I know some of you have been in my other versions of this. Um, so, uh, as it keeps evolving, this is somewhat new format to, to do this write-up um, that I did, and so I'm gathering up the suttas. So um, I may be modifying it in the future. So I guess I'd prefer that you don't share the study guide outside of this mm -hmm. class um, for now. Um, maybe I'll just say a few, uh, since there's too many of us to really introduce ourselves uh, in this time, I'll just say that I really appreciated uh, the little comments that you put on the registration form about why you were interested and so forth. Um, you, of course, you don't have to fill those out on, on the registration form, but I was curious to, to kind of see that there were some themes. So a few people mentioned that they were interested in material renunciation, such as not doing so much technology or not having so much stuff and the sort of complications of our regular lay lives, which is great. Um, many had also noticed that there is um, uh, suffering that comes from having patterns and identities going in our mind. And we think, why do I keep falling into that? Or why do I keep doing that? And there was a sense of wanting to let go of some of this mental conditioning which is what we'll also be looking at in the second and third classes. Um, there was also uh, interest in how to apply a kind of abstract concept like renunciation into our actual lay lives. And this is something that's um, always necessary to do with these uh, Buddhist teachings that are uh, somewhat conceptual in words. Sometimes they seem like they are, are more 
were composed in a different culture in which they were. And so then we wonder, well, what does that mean for us here in our particular lives? And so, um, and then some people pointed out the interest in exploring the connection between individual thought patterns that we have going in our mind and body um, and how those relate somehow to societal patterns. This is really important, especially in the area of renunciation where, you know, or letting go, I should say, where we have so many cultural patterns, also cultural biases or ways that we treat the environment that are essentially cultural mental habits like we find in ourselves. And so is there a relationship between learning to let go in our own mind and our own heart and somehow that translating out into society? Very interesting question. And then um, uh, many of you were also just drawn to the words that I used in the description of things like peace, contentment, ease, relational harmony. And those are all words that are associated with renunciation. It's not really just about austerity and doing without and all these kinds of um, more casual associations we might have with the word. So I think um, what you wrote on your sheets is very similar to what I'm hoping to convey in the class, which is that we would have some understanding of what this term renunciation means when it's it, in the Buddhist teachings, you know, what was he really talking about with that? Explore how it can apply in our lives, especially as lay people, because we're not, we're not monastics here. So what does it really mean for us? And then I hope also beyond that sort of general aim that each of you will personally discover what renunciation can mean in your life. It's, it might look different, very different between people that you see on the screen and so you know what is it going to mean for you at this place in your life at this um, way that you are right now um, and so then I, and I also hope that we'll be learning from each other's experiences that's a wonderful thing about having a live class like this okay so are there any questions at this point on kind of the format or anything else coming in Okay, I, by the way, I can't see everybody. So if, if people know how to raise their um, blue hand, their Zoom hand, that would be good. Or um, you could drop a chat if I'm not seeing you. Jean, you have your hand up. No, you don't. I was just checking on where that was, sorry. Okay. I'm gonna make sure I knew where it was, thanks. Okay, yeah, it's usually under participants or sometimes it's under the dot, 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 more. Reactions. Uh, reactions, it can also be under reactions. They've put it in several places, which I'm not sure if that helps or not. And that it, it's then hard to explain where it is because it's in several places. But I guess if you just stumble around, you're likely to find it. Okay, great. Um, I did get, and I got the chat about the study guide. It's 35 pages long. So um, I might check if you got them all. Um, okay, so let's then dive into this first topic, uh, which is the topic of simplicity. And I think this is a dimension of renunciation that we might easily intuit. 
you know, from the, uh, just what the word renunciation means. So we can you know, look at the opposites. You know, surely renunciation is not about opulence, um, complication, ostentation, gregariousness, these kinds of words that are clearly not in the bailiwick. And so, yeah, we can understand, okay, simplicity is meant to capture kind of the spirit of uh, renunciation in this sense. So I, um, uh, we will start with our material life because that's maybe where we first meet it. And I think it's, um, I don't think it, it means that we having simplicity in our material life probably doesn't mean that we have to live in a very small place and have very few possessions and have no running water, although it could, you know, that would, could be that, but I don't think that's necessary. That's not necessarily what it means. Um, I have a sense that it means more um, having the right amount of stuff, if you will, being able to mentally handle the stuff that we have. And so we can think about this. There's, uh, if you have, say, multiple vehicles and multiple dwellings, and you spend a lot of mental energy kind of keeping on top of all of that, uh, that's not very simple. And that's maybe not in the spirit. Um, but it could equally well apply if you have, you know, too many books, or uh, too big of a yard, and you're always worried about how to keep it from overgrowing. And, you know, there are other ways in which our material life can get a little out of hand. And so I think what we're looking for is what's the amount of stuff where we can um, handle it mentally without stress. And that might be different for different people, right? Or at different stages of life. You know, as you get older, probably a little less is easier, right? Um, so it's like it says in the study guide, material things take up mental space. So uh, this is worth considering in your life. So you could ask, you know, is there anything in your life that you would feel relieved not to have to deal with some material thing? And if so, what would it be like to just let that go and not have it anymore? Just think about that for a moment. I'm going to ask reflection questions from time to time as we go through. And then, you know, we can also go on to the area of simplicity in speech. So, you know, does that make sense? Well, again, I think simplicity of speech doesn't mean that we don't say very much or, you know, that we're just a, a wallflower and people can't engage us in conversation. Um, but we can again consider the opposite. Probably you can understand what complicated speech is like. You know, people who tell a lot of stories or who get wrapped up in explanations and theories or who always have an opinion about everything. Uh, I mean, that gets complicated. It's complicated to talk with such people. Um, so maybe simple speech um, has more to do with not wasting words, for example. So speaking meaningfully in the right number of words, which sometimes might be a lot and sometimes might be a little, but it's the right number of words for what you're saying. Um, or speaking about what is relevant, <laughs> necessary, useful, as opposed to speaking about things that are frivolous or self-aggrandizing. Um, that would not be so much in the spirit of renunciation. 
So you can think about that also. Are there ways in which your speech gets complicated sometimes? And you know, what would it be like to, to simplify that? So then going a little further in, um, what about simplicity of thought? So we know, I think we're all familiar as meditators with long thought trains that come into our mind sometimes and uh, ruminations of various kind or obsessions in the mind of various kinds. These are all part of what's called papancha in Pali. And the Buddha identified this kind of thought as something to look at in practice, um, the way we, our mind will tend to get wrapped up in things. So, however, if you've been on a retreat or even on a day long, maybe, you may have experienced times, and this, of course this happens in our regular sittings also from time to time, where thoughts got thinner and lighter. And, you know, there just wasn't as much intensity to all the thought. There was some space, the sort of the storm or the force of thought had been reduced. And so that is something in the realm of simplicity of thought. So what would it be like if we could somehow refrain from or let go of long thought trails? How would our life feel in that case? So these are, these are all ways in which we can start to think about um, what renunciation at this level, this realm of simplicity means. And there are other dimensions of it, but for today we're focusing on the simplicity that's implied through renunciation. And the, the foundation really for cultivating renunciation of any kind, but particularly uh, this one, is to value it to value renunciation, to actually value letting go. So if you're in this class, um, I already know that you have some intuitive sense of the value of renunciation because people who have zero interest in renunciation don't come to a class where renunciation is in the title. Um, that's why I do it. I don't put in some sneaky little thing like learning how to let go. <laughs> I put, you know, renunciation in lay life. And lo and behold, um, 33 people are <laughs> showed up. So that's, first of all, I love this. I think this is pretty good. Um, our society really needs this. But um, nonetheless, you know, so we need to value this in some way, have some sense that, yeah, this is a meaningful direction to go in, um, this, this renunciation idea. Nonetheless, even if you're really, really interested, um, like considering ordaining or something, which I know more than one person here has considered, um, we will find resistance in, in us to simplifying and letting go. We have edges where we think, mm, <laughs> I'm not sure about letting go of that, or, well, but couldn't I just keep that? And it's not that we're gonna you know, literally get rid of everything in our life. That's not, you know, we're lay people, but there's this letting go of not being attached to it. So we need to look at those places where we say, no, 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 that, that I can't live without. Um, so for example, um, I'm not very good at getting rid of books. <laughs> I have a lot of books. I like books. 
I have gotten rid of a tremendous number of books in my life. The amount that I have now compared to the amount that has passed through my hands is, I think, pretty down to a reasonable level. But nonetheless, um, I, for example, one time I put some books that I was trying to let go of on free cycle and, um, you know, just to move them out. And somebody responded to my little list of, you know, here's a bunch of books. And I looked at the list and I thought about meeting this person and giving them away. And I wrote back and said, I'm sorry, they've already been taken. So <laughs> I couldn't let them go actually at the moment when, when it was about to go. So that was really interesting and worth looking at. Um, so we all have our little things, right? So I think we might need to work consciously sometimes on learning to value renunciation, learning to um, be able to let go of things that are a little bit difficult to let go of. Um, so that I think will be one effect. I hope that will be one effect of this class is that we have a chance to not only just sort of abstractly learn about renunciation, but look in our own mind and body, where's the edge <laughs> where we say, nope, uh, not going to do that one. Um, and that's an interesting place. It doesn't mean you push through it and say, oh, bad, I have to do this then. No, 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 wait, just, you know, wait and examine that. So we're going to, we're going to talk about this more as the class goes on. Um, okay. So that is kind of my overview. Do I see, did I see a hand? No, I didn't. Okay. Um, of this simplicity portion. Uh, I don't wanna spend a huge amount of time just talking because that was the point of letting you guys read about it. So what I want actually is to put you into um, breakout groups for a little while, just so that you can meet a couple of other people here and talk a little bit about this topic. Um, and then we'll come back and we'll have a little bit more time and we're also gonna do a meditation in the um, second half. So let me take a moment to create those. And then I'll tell you, um, okay, so the question, actually you're gonna have a moment to reflect first. So the question um, is, what is valuable about simplicity as we have discussed it today, such as having fewer material things, speaking concisely and having less long thought trails. So what is valuable about simplicity for you as we have discussed it today? And then secondly, what feels challenging about it to you? You know, just what I talked about in the last 10 minutes or so, what part did you say that's challenging for me? And what, what do you feel in your heart is valuable about that for you? And so if you want, you can just reflect on this and you can even take a few notes of some items in the next um, moment while I'm assigning the rooms. Okay. And you're gonna have um, 11 minutes to talk with each other about this. And the way that it might be good is to um, go around and around. So each person says one thing, and then the next person says one thing, and the next person, and you just keep going. Um, 
And you don't, you, you can mix the value and the challenge because I think it's going to be interesting to see them side by side. You can, you should say whether you're naming something that you value or something that you find challenging, but each person doesn't have, you don't have to do only all the values and then only all the challenges. Um, so I'll let you guys work that out. And the uh, person who, uh, with the shortest hair can um, begin first. Oops, we lost somebody's connection. So we move somebody. Hang on. Okay, so I'll see you back after that. Have fun. Okay, so welcome back. <clears throat> I hope that was valuable to hear a little bit from other folks also. I'm curious um, if anyone has any uh, comments to share in the larger group. Were there things that uh, surprised you or uh, that you learned or that you found common themes among uh, what you talked about? Anything that, that you would like to share in the bigger group or any questions that have come up at this point? Yeah, Kathy, I see your hand. Yeah, so I was in a group. Uh, there were three women and one guy, and and I, you know, I have like a part of my mind that's all about stats, and um, it's like, oh, I noticed that the three women are all about shopping, <laughs> and the guy doesn't mention it at all, and I was like. You know, that was a kind of an interesting thing to me. Um, it's like, I could totally relate to the women. <laughs> but well, uh, yeah, so you saw a theme. So I think you're pointing actually to something important. You know, we might say, oh, these are stereotypes. But what, what we find is that what we want or what we do or what we habitually think about is quite culturally conditioned, isn't it? Um, you know, we've been told by society and families and other things that um, this is how we should think. Or And so we often, you know, sometimes we take our habits of mind quite personally, but they're not that personal. They're actually coming from many sources. So I think you've pointed out something important. Thank you. Um, so I see Evie's hand. And there was another hand earlier, but I don't see it anymore. Jennifer. Okay, we'll do Evie and then Jennifer. So we, two people in our group were talking about like in terms of where you get stuck, we were talking about, so I had a huge lesson in simplicity of stuff a few years ago when I lived overseas and had a sort of enforced much simpler. And so I have like a real visceral and like I saw what it did to my life to have a year. It was essentially sort of a year, not quite on retreat, but it was simple and it was amazing. And I brought that home with me and got rid of a whole bunch of stuff and it's great. And the place where I get hung up, the place that really catches me besides books like you um, is old family stuff. And it, it, it feels somehow, it feels like both me and my sister are like the receptacles for a lot of stuff from both sides but my, my mother's here and from her family and from my dad's family and it feels almost dishonor like dishonoring the family like like I don't we, we have far too many 
beautiful glass cups <laughs> like and teacups and things are like some of them we use but some of them we don't but I don't know how to get rid of that stuff and to feel I mean I happily give it to younger members of the family and some of them may want it but <laughs> yeah yeah that's I right I, like, I don't think we need to think that just because we're not using something, we it's extra and we need to get rid of it or something. There, it's there. You're already running into the layers of how this works in our mind. You know, there are these associations and feelings that go with things and um, traditions within your own family. Different families might have different ideas about how to handle the stuff. Um, so. I think this is all just worthy of exploration and it doesn't need a, a, any kind of a conclusion. And there's certainly no expectation of, you know, the more you get rid of the better then you've succeeded at renunciation class. Um, so, and I didn't hear that necessarily in what you said, but I just wanted to, to bring that. This is great. I love that you've seen that. Thank you. Um, Jennifer. Yeah, thank you. Um, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, good. Um, so I was just, we, we, the, the, our room was ending and I had this, um, you know, while another um, woman in the group was speaking, um, I was just thinking about simplicity in speech and how if I, if I could grasp that or practice that, that it just seemed like a huge weight off my shoulders. I, I haven't done a silent retreat. I've done a day long, but um just sort of viscerally, it, it just, I had that feeling. <laughs> um, I also have a question. Um, would, as far as say, um, in relationships, I mean, it's a complicated question. Um, when would be too little? I guess that's something to learn. When would be too little what? Too little um, uh, speech or uh -huh. being simple in speech. Um, yeah, this is so particular to the particular relationship dynamic that you're in. But, you know, there are different interpretations of not saying very much. And sometimes people find that off-putting or distancing or arrogant or something. So it's, um, I think that this, yeah. And it's not that, you know, you come out of, training and renunciation and everybody sounds the same in how they speak. I think people will, people have natural variation in that. So it's just a matter of communicating sufficiently that the relationship stays intact and has, you know, the warmth and, and dynamic nature that relationships can have when they're good. But there's also such a thing as a relationship with a lot of companionable silence. You know, when you know somebody well, uh, it really, yeah, it depends on the person. And you might try a silent retreat sometime when we can do it again, um, because it's like a whole week, if you go on a week-long retreat, where there's no talking, and you think, well, I'm just not going to know anything about anybody. We don't get to talk. And you get to the end, you feel so intimate with those people. <laughs> and there was no, you know, you find out so many other dimensions of communication. So there's also, you know, body language and gesture and um, so forth, not on a retreat, but <laughs> um, <laughs> you find these other modes. Okay, um, I saw Sandy's hand next. Um, a topic that I brought up in the group was the question of balance, which for me is always what, what I'm striving for. 
I'm a book person like you and just like you, these days I've got about 200 books, which compared to 20 years ago is not very many at all. Um, and I certainly wouldn't want to live in an environment without any books around. So the question is always uh, balance. How do you, you know, how do you um, figure out the right point? And just quickly for me, in terms of books, at the moment, my, my collection of books is small enough that I feel like I have a kind of a relationship to each one of those books. I mean, each one of them is meaningful to me. And that mm -hmm. to me may be different from the days when I had tons of books, but some of them were just kind of books that sat up there on the shelf and didn't, didn't mean a lot to me. Yeah. So that sounds like you found a wiser relationship of, uh, yeah, to these. Great. Sounds good. Um, Jean. One of the things that came to me when we were talking is uh, the valuable side of this last year of COVID in terms of simplicity. Um, it largely imposed on a lot of us, but some of, a lot of my friends and myself, my husband, we've all embraced a lot of it, appreciated a lot of it, will not change a lot of it. And Interesting. Um, I think that's been invaluable. Yeah, um, silver lining and or sort of surprise things. I mean, this is not at all, and I know you're not doing this to deny the huge challenges and, and pain and so forth, which you're, I know you're not doing, but absolutely we can appreciate that there has been a silver lining in certain ways. There have been benefits. There have been things we learned that we would not have learned otherwise living this way. And we learned something about how adaptable we are to something simpler. Sometimes we have an idea, oh, I couldn't ever stop doing that. I don't know how many people have told me, I can never go on a retreat because I could never stop talking. And then they go on a retreat and they come back and they say, oh, it was so nice. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> okay, Betsy, and that'll be the last one. Thanks, Kim. Um, whoa. Um, I, I, I'm appreciating that you brought in speech into the simplicity, which is an area that I haven't heard before. Um, so thank you for this. And when Jennifer was speaking, it occurred to me that, you know, one of the, one of the challenges that I have um, with listening to other people is when they like start wrapping their words around themselves and they'll they'll just or they'll use a a method of speech which is not at all direct and straightforward um and it's like they're coming from an entirely different world with the presentation of what they're saying and in my mind, I'm thinking, this is not at all straightforward. This is not at all direct. It is just wrapped around each other, you know, wrapping the words around each other and presented in a way that 
I don't know what they're really trying to say. <laughs> yeah, so we can and, certainly observe that um, so we have models in the world that are not of simple speech. And so that's maybe where we've learned some of our own habits. And, you know, working with people, you know, to either ask for a simpler explanation, which they can't apparently do, um, just not sure how to work with that particular challenge. I know um, it's thing of other people, but. Yeah, so this is a time then to work with um, simplicity in our own mind. <laughs> so being able to um, be with a person like that can invite um, not only criticism, but also, you know, confusion or uh, irritation or um, uh, something like that. And so there can be a way in which when we're receiving speech that doesn't feel mm, easy for us to receive or is complicated or in convoluted in the ways that you're saying, we somehow have to be able to um, still have a simple relationship to that, maybe asking a simple question to the person or something. But it then becomes, I think, a matter of our own uh, sort of guarding the sense doors, as they say, and um, being able to remain uh, mindful while we're receiving speech like that, because it's not going to go away in the world, and we're not going to be able to fix it all. And I have and, uh, that's the place to work. Saying something perspective, I have absolutely no idea what you just said is not helpful. <laughs> Well, sometimes that'll work and sometimes, um, at least it's very direct. Yeah, so this is um, something to check our own internal response. And um, next week we'll be talking about uh, letting go of certain mental habits that are causing us suffering. So that may be a, another realm to look at. Yeah, okay, so um, I do want us to sit for, at this point it'll be a fairly short time. So. Um, let's, let's go ahead and do that as a way to touch into some of what we've talked about in actual practice. So finding a posture that is upright and also relaxed, just, you can just settle in where you are perhaps, or yeah, closing the eyes. And just sensing your body, you know, drawing your attention inward to your sitting posture. Maybe softening the eyes and the eye sockets after having looked at the screen. Perhaps on the next out breath, softening the body and releasing any obvious places of tension, such as in the shoulders or the belly, the legs. And just sensing that the body currently not moving much is in a fairly simple state. Sitting is a simple posture. Probably your body is pretty symmetric. There's some 
simplicity to that. And it's actually easeful to have the body in an upright, symmetric kind of position. And then allowing the attention to settle onto the simple sensations of breathing. Breathing isn't anything you have to do, it's just going on already. So you can kind of tune into it. And just allowing the simple flow of sensations to wash over your mind. So not looking for details, but just resting in the repetitive nature of the breath. There may be thoughts going on, that's totally fine. But by inclining the mind toward simplicity, which we value, we may sense that this has a calming effect on the intensity of the thoughts that we have. So without needing them to go away, just seeing if we can kind of turn down the volume through valuing a simpler mental landscape. You may imagine the breath as it comes in the nostrils Continuing on up, passing through the head, just dispersing the more intense thoughts that are there, like a little massage. And the parts of the mind and body that are feeling fairly simple right now can just rest in those. Resting with the ease of whatever is simple at this moment. So that we have a direct experience of the ease of simplicity. Really letting that experience imprint itself on your body and mind ease of simplicity.
So this, um, this feeling is something that you can continue to evoke in meditation. You'll find, of course, that if you're trying really hard to be simple, that's not very simple. <laughs> so there's a little bit of art to simplifying the mind and the body. But sometimes uh, it just helps to value it, to notice it, um, to incline the mind. These are different ways of saying it. Um, so as we have perhaps seen today, um, renunciation is really about a training of the mind. And it has to do with uh, even material renunciation. It has to do with our willingness to let go of things and with our ideas and our values about um, what's useful to us materially and our ability also to notice what is stressful and what is easeful, which we just practice with a little bit in the meditation. So all of these are mental functions that support um, being able to practice with this uh, quality of renunciation. So next week, we're going to look uh, more carefully at letting go of mental habits and patterns, some of which are what get in the way of being able to renounce even materially, as we've seen. So um, please go ahead and read section two of the study guide or section one and two, if you haven't read one yet, and the associated suttas and reflection questions. Um, I think it's the biggest one this coming upcoming week and then third week is a little bit later. So um, just be aware of that. And if you want, you can try out any of the suggested practices on simplicity that are in that first section. Uh, now that we've talked about it a bit in class and you've had a chance to reflect, um, you may wish to try them out and I'll uh, check in with you next class and see uh, if you have any questions about doing those. You don't have to do them all, just do the ones that uh, feel juicy because there's too many to do them all. It wouldn't be simple. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and also you can notice the ease of simplicity anytime in your, you can do it on the cushion, but also you can do it off the cushion. You know, if you're just working in the garden or doing the dishes, you might realize you have a moment when things are kind of simple and just noticing that, noticing how it feels. Um, so I see Elaine's hand now and I had, there was Kaylin earlier. Um, Okay, you've okay, Elaine. Do you have a question or a comment? Yes, my, my question is how do I get a study guide? Oh, I sent it by email, but um, um, I could send it to you again. So okay, or, did you also send one to to uh, Evelyn Strauss? I did, yeah. I can ask. I can ask her. We can, can ask her. Okay, yeah. It was the same email that had the Zoom link um, to get here. So, um, but anyway, as long as you get it, that's fine. I'll if you can't uh, get it, uh, please let me know and I will help you out. Okay. Thank you. So, um, anything else? We're just at the end, but anything else? Um, that would help tonight feel complete. Okay, great. Well, it's very lovely to see all of you and 
um, share with you in this exploration of renunciation. I'm imagining that we'll all have a chance to learn something. So I look forward to seeing you next week, same time, and have a wonderful week of practice. Take care. Good night. Hey, thank you. Feel free to unmute and say goodbye if you want. Thanks, Kim. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.